Doing all right? Um, Dario, come on up, bro. I want Dario just to share for a few minutes. This is unscripted, so he's a YWAM missionary now, so they're used to this. They're used to this. This is, this is, how, we, this is how YWAM does it. It's like show up and be ready to say something. And uh, I, I would be remiss to not let you share a little bit, a couple of minutes, two, three about just where, what, where, what's going on in your life, man. What, what, y'all know Dario? Y'all know Dario, right? This is like, go ahead, go ahead. Um, just like Pastor Richard said, I am now working with YWAM. Um, I just got done with my DTS, which stands for a Disciple Training School. Very nice, very nice. Um, I did five and a half months away from home. I left two months after high school. And what's it called? Um... I went and I had 12 weeks of lectures, and lectures were about getting to know God and growing our faith. You know, we had different weeks where it was like hearing God's voice, intercession, worship, evangelism. We had different topics for 12 weeks, and it just really helped, like, encourage my faith because before I left, I was really struggling with my faith, like deciding, am I a Christian or Mm -hmm. do I want to do what I want to do and listen to myself and just live life how I want to live it? And it was like a make it break it for me. And just those 12 weeks of lectures were just really impactful to see like what God can really do no matter what your story is or what your background is. He can still use you in a mighty way. Um, and then after our 12 weeks of lectures, we had our outreach phase. And I went to Thailand and Cambodia for my outreach. And I spent four and a half weeks in Thailand doing university ministry work, reaching out to college students in Thailand, reaching out to the Buddhist um, people and evangelizing through different ways, through performing, through giving testimonies, or just going to English centers, helping them speak English and growing that relationship with them. Um, And during our time in Thailand, we had a camp at the end of our time, and we had 300 students come out from seven different provinces. And at the end, we did one big altar call, and we had 48 give their lives to Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. It was really amazing just to be able to pour into these kids and uh, see them grow, you know, being raised in a Buddhist family and then going against what their family has taught them. It was really stepping out in their faith and, you know, okay, I want to make this decision for my own life, you know. Um, then we went to Cambodia for three and a half weeks and we taught in English centers and helped with local churches and encouraged and discipled them as well. And I came back. I'm here I've been home for three and a half weeks, and God has called me to go back to Australia. I leave this Wednesday, and I'm going to go serve YWAM for two years. So, See, when I get to heaven, I want to have hair like that. Um, your DTS, your discipleship training school, was in Australia. Everybody go, oh, yeah, I know. Um, and that's where you'll be going back, right? Correct. Uh, I, I, I have in this, this young man, uh, YWAM is a wonderful place to send your children if that's where God calls them to go. Oh, thank you, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who's class? Oh, okay, Mom. Uh, it's, it's a, if that's where God calls your kids to go, uh, you know what? I, I would recommend every teenager go someplace led by God, and, and, and before you get serious about school or 
life or army, navy, marines, whatever it is, whatever God's called you to, first and foremost. But I would recommend every young person go and experience life outside of Las Vegas someplace. That's just me. Parents, don't get mad at me. Pastor Richie said, all right, South Central, here I go. <laughs> what? Okay. But, but I would tell you that this... Uh, I know I shouldn't have looked at you. <laughs> it's a changed man. It's a changed young man. And um, why don't we all stand and pray over him in the next adventure that God has for him. Oh, my goodness. Jesus, thank you for uh, your love for us. And thank you for taking us uh, and using us for your glory. And we pray provision for our, uh, our, our young brother. We pray for strength. We pray against the schemes of the enemy because if he can't uh, uh, keep us from heaven, he will keep us from being effective on earth. And so uh, may you uh, be a shield about him and may you use him for your glory. We look forward to future, uh, uh, future movement, future things, but not just in the future, but we look forward to today and tomorrow for what you're going to use him for, that missions work is not just in Cambodia or Thailand, but how many of you know it's in Las Vegas too? Amen. And so, God, um, as we may partner with him, we ask, God, that you would open up the floodgates and allow us to join in with what you're doing through him. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for coming up, bro. Thank you. <laughs> hey man look at that young fella handling the mic eating the mic and everything did you notice that had it some people are like would you like to share yes well when i was 12 and the whole everybody's going you can't hear you and then they go what oh boom, boom, boom. you know anyway eating the mic looking at everybody standing strong got the man thing happening back there that's not a man bun but if you want to support what's next in his life talk to him you did bring support papers didn't you Oh, for crying out loud, you know. Anyway, always have those, no matter where you go. <sighs> We're just getting started. Help me out. Don't worry, I'll get you out before halftime of the Duke game. <laughs> oh, we not rooting for Duke. We still, we don't, we ain't forgot. We ain't forgot. Tomorrow at three o'clock, we're having a funeral here for our dear sister, Barbara D'Allegro, a celebration of life. Um, and so after service, uh, we're going to be taking these chairs, sliding them to the side, putting up round tables and putting some other tables in the back. So if you can join us in that, we'd love, we'd love to. Uh, but where's Bobby? Could Bobby, can you guys raise your hand? There's Barbara's family back there, you know, and so if you want to love on them a whole lot, please do that. Please do that. And uh, so we'll need some help doing this. But uh, uh, it is a three o'clock. It is a Italian themed pot blessing. So bring your favorite Italian dish. Put something in it. Okay. And we were specifically instructed to wear bright clothing and to have a lot of fun. And so it may not be your typical quote unquote funeral service. She wanted good worship music and good food and good times, and said no crying. That's what she said. And so we will do our best to accommodate that and uh, have a good time. And so 
<sighs> All right, let me get through this, my next phase of today's. Hey, we could go old school and be here for a few hours, but I'm not going to do that to you. I'm sorry, Alan, Pastor Alan, what did you say? Open windows and tall buildings. Uticus. Uticus? Yes. Mr. Correo will be speaking at our morning 6, six o'clock Easter sunrise service. Would you, would you, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, bro. I'll let you know if I'll be here or not. <laughs> anyway, so using general relativity, Stephen Hawking contributed more to the understanding of black holes and the cosmology or the belief system of the naturalistic Big Bang uh, well, cosmology, the origins, than any other person. You may know that I think it was last week, might have been the week before, he died. And he was not, it was not uh, this brilliant, brilliant mind, you know, it, it contracted uh, what we call Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, and, and was not supposed to live very long, but because of technology and other things, he was able to live a, live a life that was, I'm sure, very, very difficult. It's interesting to note that his ex-wife said about him that he was that, that the man that she married was not the man that she became, and she attributed the strength that she needed to get through the marriage to her Christian faith. I say all that to say that regarding the afterlife, this brilliant scientist said in 2011, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There's no heaven or afterlife for broken-down computers. That is a fairy, a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. He would also say, we are each free to believe what we want, and it is my view that the simplest explanation is there is no God. No one created the universe, and no one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization. There is, nobody, there's prob, there is probably no heaven and no afterlife either. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe, and for that, I am extremely grateful. Um, last week, Paul the Apostle told us what the gospel is, and we looked at many different things that we are to do with the gospel, and in chapter 15, verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Somewhere along the way in the city of Corinth, the people began to believe that the resurrection really wasn't something that was for them. I believe because of 1 Corinthians 15, 11, that they did believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They believed that. There was, there was plenty of factual evidence as well as people who had seen him Paul the Apostle, as you recall, referenced over 500 people who saw him at one time, many of whom are still alive. Others have fallen asleep because that's what they said of those who died in the New Testament. They fell asleep. But So there's plenty of evidence for that, but I believe that the, the church in Corinth was struggling or doubting the belief of their own resurrection or their own afterlife. Maybe they had fallen into the Greek 
sort of philosophy that the, uh, uh, some of the uh, Greek philosophy that believed that the afterlife was really, that it was more preferable to live in this life and indulge in all the appetites here. Or maybe they began to believe the, the belief system of the, the Sadducees, which was a religious group in Judaism that believed that there was no afterlife. And so those competing views maybe dr- had drawn them in. And so Paul the Apostle wants to address the fact that the people in Corinth really are kind of struggling with if there even is a resurrection for them at all. And this is what he says to them to refute that in 1 Corinthians 15. Our message this morning is entitled, If Jesus is Dead. If Jesus is Dead. So, verse 12 says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there's no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. We apostles would, be, uh, would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is, what's that word? Useless, and you are still, what? Guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Verse 20, but, how many of you guys like the buts in Scripture? Oh, I love it contrast for you precept students you recognize those things but in fact christ has been raised from the dead he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died and so paul the apostle says and this is the this is the context if there is no resurrection in general specifically christ has not been raised that's what he says And here's the thing, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then everything we believe in changes, everything. The entirety of the Christian worldview changes, and a worldview is the way that you look at the world, especially important topics like life, death, afterlife, pain, suffering, uh, salvation, God, the origins Uh, of uh, uh, the beginning of everything, cosmology. Uh, Your worldview defines how you look at the world. Everyone has a worldview. And if Christ is not risen, that changes everything about the way that we look at the world. Secondly, he says, the preaching of the disciples is useless. A man who preached much about the risen Savior, Paul says, if Christ hasn't risen, then our preaching is useless. Why tell other people about Jesus if he didn't, in fact, rise from the dead? Why would, why would Jesus be any different than any other religious leader who lived and died if he did not raise from the dead? There would be no difference. I was once talking to someone who was a believer in the New Age philosophy, and we were talking about some different things, and, uh, uh, and, I, and I said, well, you know, one of the things that we as Christians believe is that Jesus is unique in that he rose from the dead. I mean, and that makes him different. And she goes, well, there are other people who have 
rose, risen from the dead as well. And she mentioned some names of some, some teachers or philosophers, and, and I, 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 no, no disrespect to her belief system, but I not, did not know any of those names. And I said, yeah, I go, but would, would you not agree with me that, that, that whoever those people are, was there an entire nation bent on keeping him dead? Was that man or woman crucified, flogged and crucified? Was all of the preparation put in place to keep that person in the grave? Were there like guards out front to make sure that no one, no one tampered with the body? Uh, was, uh, was this some, this, this person, did they, was their, their, uh, uh, resurrection predicted? 500 years ago, even maybe thousands of years ago in some ancient manuscripts? Uh, can, we, can we interview hundreds and hundreds of people if we go back to the ancient text that maybe saw this person alive or, or heard about it? Uh, or can we look at the lives of people whose lives have been dramatically changed because they've met this person who they thought was dead and is now alive? Uh, 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 does history refute it? Does, does the evidence speak to it? Is there a volume of evidence to show that these people raised from the dead? Um, I just don't think in my estimation that you can compare anyone who supposedly rose from the dead to, to the sheer amount of force and effort put in keeping Jesus in the tomb. I don't think you can compare that to anyone else. And again, no disrespect to her belief system, but I had not heard of these people that she mentioned who rose from the dead. Have those people literally changed the world and the way that we look at it? Have they, have they changed humanity in, for the good? The way that women were looked at, the way that homeless were looked at, the way that slaves were looked at, the way that, you know, on and on and on. And I, I just, I don't think there's a comparison between Jesus and anyone else who's ever lived. That, that's, that's my point. Paul says, your preaching is useless, though, if Christ isn't risen. And then he says, your faith is useless. And that word useless means it's devoid of truth, it's fruitless, without effect, empty, imaginary, and unfounded. Your faith is useless. In the book of Hebrews, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's, a, it's impossible because those who believe in him must acknowledge that he exists and that he earnestly rewards those who diligently seek him. Paul the Apostle says, if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, your faith is useless. You're believing in something that's not even real. And then he says, the apostles are lying about God. What does that mean? That means, Paul says, that if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, then, then we're all lying. We're all liars. When that means, take your whole New Testament and throw it out. Because the apostles who wrote it are liars. Oh, and while you're at it, don't bother splitting it up. Take the Old Testament and toss that too, because that predicts the Messiah coming, living, dying, and raising from the dead. And so the entirety of the word of God, he says it's all a big lie. It's a sham. It's the biggest uh, hoax of all time, ever. And the apostles are liars. Imagine if Christ hasn't risen. He goes on and says, Christ, if the resurrection doesn't happen, Christ has not been raised. And he says, your faith is use, useless. And then he says this, if that wasn't, everybody take a deep breath. Because I'm kind of out of breath right now. Woo! He says, 
He says, if that wasn't enough, he says, you are still guilty of your sins. See, the Bible says there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, 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 shame. You know, we're taught at a we're, we're taught at a very young age about shame because we experience it. We experience it. You know, and 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 so many of us we live with guilt and shame, and we look back at stuff and we go, God, and it and it and it and it, it drives us down. And we can't, we can't get, we can't get above it. And and if I if I'm still guilty of my sins, I, where do you go after that? Where do you go? So so like, so I'm still I'm still weighed down by this mess of called my life. There's. There's no getting over the guilt or the shame, the condemnation. How do you rise above it without someone to help you rise above it who's able to take it and use it for, for good? So there's a, a Bible commentator that I love, David Guzik, and he, he wrote this about that first part. He goes, if there's no principle of resurrection, then Christ did not rise from the dead. And if Christ did not rise from the dead, then death has power over him and defeated him. If death has power over Jesus, he is not God. And if Jesus is not God, he cannot offer a complete sacrifice for sins. And uh, if Jesus can't offer a complete sacrifice for sins, our sins are not completely paid for before God. And if my sin is not completely paid for by God, then I am still in my sins. Therefore, if Jesus is not risen, he is not able to save. That's why Jesus said that he was the only way to God because no one else can save me from my sins. No one. Or no amount of good deeds or good works. Paul goes on and he says, all who are died, all who have died are lost. You know, I'll go back to Barbara again. I'll tell you what. It was pretty amazing to watch the process. It was not a good process, but it was pretty amazing. Uh, she wanted to go be with her Jesus. And, and she was like, okay, Lord, what's the hold up here? Come on. I'm ready to go. What are we waiting on? <laughs> it's like. Slow down, Barbara. Slow down. She didn't get it. But Paul says, if Christ has not risen from the grave, all who died are lost. So tomorrow, when we celebrate together as family and there's bright colors and joy and food and stories, we do that because of him. And because he rose from the dead. But if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, that means she's lost. And anyone who has ever believed in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus is all lost. Is that depressing? It is to me. It's like, no way. Right? And then he goes on and he says, if that's not enough, 
we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. I mean, we're losers. What a bunch of losers. We're, you know, sorry for you. You believed a lie your whole life. Sacrificed, gave, and, and went to church. You could have been at home watching March Madness. No, no, no. You went to church all for naught. Oh, wow. Paul the Apostle, hey, when he said we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world, think about it from his perspective. I mean, he had people chasing him so hard, he called them wild dogs. I mean, he went from shipwreck to beatings to one time they dragged him outside of town. They beat him so bad, they go, he's a goner. And they left him to be dead. Well, finally got rid of Paul the Apostle. God worked the work in him. Paul got up and went right back in preaching the gospel. He's back. Like, oh, no, we can't even kill this man. And for... For what? If, if Christ hasn't risen, it means nothing. It's all for naught. He says in verse 32, what value is there in fighting wild beasts, those people in Ephesus, if there's no resurrection for the dead? If there's no resurrection for the dead, can, can, we, just, can we just cut the fat and get right to the meat here? Can we, just, can we just be real? Church, can we be real? Okay, wake up. Come on. Can we be real? I know right about now that macho combo burrito is kicking in, isn't it? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm trying. We do have toothpicks in the back for those of you who need it. You know. No. Here's what he says. He goes, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. That's the reality of life without resurrected Jesus. If there's no resurrection, then there's no judgment. And, and, and if, we're, if there's no judgment, we're not accountable to God for anything we do. And, and, and if, we're not account- if there's no resurrection and we're not accountable to God, then you know what? Once we die, that's it. Game over. There's nothing else besides this. If that were the case, then my life would solely be about my happiness. In fact, happiness would be my God. I just want to be happy. Whatever that takes. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to be happy because this is all I got. My next God would be to fill my appetites. Fill up the flesh. Food, drink, fill in the blank. Party, money, entertainment, pleasure. I'm going to squeeze as much excitement and pleasure out of this life that I could possibly get. Because I know once that time comes, it's all over. And my last God would be ease and comfort. By that, I mean I would do everything I can to not suffer any pain whatsoever. I don't care about you because it's all about me. I would be a selfish, little, big, whatever, two-year-old brat all my life. Because this is all, why would I help you? Why would I take my money and my time and help you? Because it's all about me. And it's about my happiness. I'm going to keep myself from pain. My life would revolve around me. Paul the Apostle was a fool for putting himself in such discomfort and danger for the sake of the gospel, if it's not real. Yeah, my life would be all about me. You know what? Here's the sad part about that, is that there are people who live their life that way right now. Some of us understand that because we lived our life that way. 
And then we found out that there was more to life than just our pleasure, our happiness, our appetites. The, the world didn't revolve around us. And there's actually a bigger picture and a bigger plan that there's a purpose and a meaning and a reason that you're not some accident on the evolutionary radar, that there's actually a God who knits you together in your mother's womb, who gave you the personality and the identity, who, who breathed life into you and wants to so breathe his spirit into you and take your life and create something within you that you cannot get without him and give you the destiny and give you the joy and give you the purpose to and say it be easy that you have always wanted. And many in this room, there was a time in your life when your eyes were open and you realized that Jesus did something dramatic 2,000 years ago and he did it for you. Can you say amen to that? It's true. It's true. Verse 20 says this, but in fact, Paul says, after painting that picture and saying, this is how life would be, it would be paganistic, hedonistic, all about me, don't care about anybody else, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's party like it's 1999 every day of my life. And I'm going out in a blaze. Because you know what? There's nothing else. But God. But God. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Luther put it this way, he said, Martin, he said, everything depends on our retraining a firm hold on this doctrine in particular. For if this one totters, and no longer count, all the others will lose their value and validity. Spurgeon said this, if Jesus rose, then this gospel is what it professes to be. If he rose not from the dead, then it is all deceit and delusion. And yet it says that Paul the apostle would say, no, Christ rose from the dead, and he's become the first fruit of of those who have fallen asleep, um, uh, the first fruit, the festival of, of first fruits is where the children of Israel in the Old Testament would bring, in New Testament too, they would bring the, the very first of all of their crops. And, and, and they would bring it and they would present it to the Lord. They'd bring the grain and they'd have a wave offering and they'd, they'd wave it before the Lord and they'd say, God, this is yours because see, we believe that you're the one who controls the rain. And as long as we have rain, we have food, and we have food, we have sustenance. So God, we take the first of the crops, and we bring it to you, and we wave it before you. You wave your hands in the air, and you wave it like you... No, I'm just kidding. You just... But what you're doing is you're, you're anticipating something. Because you could keep the first. You could keep it. No, 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 no. Because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's keep the first. And God says, listen, you give the first. I'll take care of tomorrow. I'll take care of tomorrow. And so that's what they would do. And so what this is saying, Jesus has become the first fruits of those who have fallen uh, asleep, is that, is that he's the first to rise from the dead, incorruptible, uh, immortal, the first to rise with a glorified body. For example, there were those who rose from the dead before, right? Remember Lazarus? 
Lazarus rose from the dead. So others rose from the dead, but none rose to the glorified body that Jesus did. So he's the first fruits. He's the prototype. God says, Jesus is your model as he lived and died and rose from the dead in a glorified state so you will live and die and you'll raise from the dead too. And if you doubt that, just look at what happened to Jesus. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Trapp said, as in the first fruits offered to God, the Jews were sure of God's blessing on the whole harvest. So by the resurrection of Christ, our resurrection is ensured. Folks, don't doubt that. The Feast of First Fruits was observed on the day after the Sabbath following the Passover. Jesus rose from the dead on that exact day of the first fruits, the day after the Sabbath following the Passover. So there was even on the calendar, God always gets, how, you know, how many of you know God always gets the calendar right? The offering at the first fruits uh, was, was a bloodless grain offering because it didn't need to have blood because the Passover lamb had already been slaughtered, had already been sacrificed. And that corresponds to Jesus' death on the cross as being our final sacrifice, that perfect and that complete atonement. Okay, let me shift gears and wrap it up. So what? So what? So what? Everyday Easter. Everyday Easter. It's great. Easter season. We're getting ready for Sunday. But you know what? Everyday Easter. Everyday Easter. Here's what all of this tells me. This tells me that the resurrection proves that the Bible is true. Secondly, it tells me that the resurrection proves that the claims of Jesus are true, that he is, in fact, God. The resurrection proves that there's hope for eternal life and an afterlife. Jesus says that by trusting him, we'll be forgiven of our sins, and then we'll be able to escape the condemnation and the judgment that is, that is bound up for those who don't believe in him. The resurrection of Christ proves that God will one day judge the world. One day. It says in the book of Acts chapter 17, Paul the Apostle speaking says, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Worship team, come on up. We're going to get ready to, we're going to close on a song as we, as we close our time together this morning. If Jesus is dead, well, that's one question. Maybe another statement is, since Jesus is alive. Since Jesus is alive. Spurgeon, in a sermon titled, Dying Daily, said this. Since Jesus is alive, he said, carefully consider every day the certainty of death. In other words, live with the end in mind. Carefully consider that. And I think that's reasonable. Oh, Barbara could hardly wait. Somebody was coming to visit her, and she seriously and jokingly, because Barbara was like that, she would say things very seriously, and she would be joking. And then she would be joking, but she would be very serious too. So someone was coming to visit, and she said, well, you better hurry up and get here because I am dying after all. 
and I may not be here tomorrow. I'll be right over, you know. I'll be like, huh? Wow. Consider carefully every day the certainty of death. Live with the end in mind. See, because of the resurrection of Jesus, that should change how we live today. And when you when you think about that day, when you think about that, that might change how you live today. Spurgeon goes on and says, hold this world with a loose hand. As far as I know, our dear sister Barbara left everything behind. She shed that broken, cancerous body to go see her Jesus face to face. Come every day just as you did at conversion to the cross of Jesus as a poor guilty sinner. Every day. Don't forget. Don't forget what it was like when you lived your life apart from Jesus. Don't forget when you lived without hope. Don't forget what it was like when it was all about you. And maybe that was the time in your life. Don't forget that. That's why we come to the cross of Christ and we 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 embrace the cross and we rejoice in the resurrection. He says, Spurgeon says, live in such a manner that you would not be ashamed to die at any moment. Oh, live in such a way that you would not be ashamed to die at any moment. Lastly, Spurgeon says, have all your affairs in order so that you are ready to die. Not in a sadistic kind of way, but you're ready. You're at peace. You're ready to go be with your Lord and Savior, Jesus. Paul the Apostle says, now we look dimly, but then face to face. Are you ready to meet your Savior? I don't know when that time is. I don't know when it is for you. I don't know when it is for me. But I do know this. Oftentimes, we believe we have more time than we do. Not always. How many times has somebody passed away or been close to death and you've thought, whoa, no way, maybe in your own life? Because see, tomorrow's not promised to anyone. Have your affairs in order. Have your affairs ready so that you're ready to die. I'll leave you with this illustration. There's a friend of mine um, who uh, uh, used to sell life insurance. And he would tell, he was telling me a story one time about life insurance. And he never asked me about life insurance, which I thought was kind of cool. But he wasn't trying to sell me a policy, right? But he says, yeah, Rich, I talk to people all the time about life insurance. And and I explain to them why they need it, getting themselves ready, that, you know, when you pass away, you need to, you know, you know, to have your affairs in order. And some people, sometimes people will say, oh, you know what, man? Yeah, no, I get it. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you. You know, I'm not in any hurry. It's not like I'm going anywhere. And he'll say, great, no problems. He goes, do me a favor, though. Before you die, give me a call, and we'll set you up on a policy. And people would say, well, I don't know when that's going to be. He'd go, up to you. don't know when that when that's going to be and and if we would take the time to have our earthly matters 
in order, how much more our spiritual matter, our spiritual lives in order, how much more? Uh, have, you, have you asked Jesus to forgive you your sins? Have you embraced the cross? Have you, have you realized that, that what we talked about today is not a, a, someone who's dead, but who's alive? and is seated at the right hand of the Father and lives to make intercession for you. He's cheering for you. He's rooting for you. He's doing everything in his incredible power to get you to a place of surrender, but he will not force you or make you because he loves you that much. Because we all understand you can't make somebody love you. But you can sure set up situations that maybe will draw them, maybe not, because it's up to you. He has given you free will. I want, to, I want to close in prayer, and I want to just ask you, if that's you, that you would just join me in prayer. Because we do this every time. Yesterday, at the Budget Suites, there were so many people who came to Christ. It was such an amazing thing to be a part of. You guys were all a part of that. But we're not done. We keep working while it's day. Maybe this is something that's in your heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that we can trust you even with this, this, this valley called death. I mean, you have so arranged it that we know what happens when we die. And we know where we go. We don't have to guess or wonder or read this philosopher or, or, or what this person says. And no, no, you've told us. You've told us. And and yet, Lord, that comes by faith to those who believe in your son, Jesus. And this morning, if you would say, that's me, I don't know all the answers. My heart is churned. I feel like that's something I would like to do. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give him what I have and believe that he will take it and use it. And, and, and it's not something that you can be talked into. It's not something that, that, that uh, uh, clever language or the right atmosphere. Well, you know, it, it's, your, it's your call. It, this is your, you must receive Jesus. And, and maybe this morning you would say, yeah, that's me. I want to do that. I want Jesus in my life. And if that is you, would you lift up your hand wherever you are? Just lift it up and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm in agreement. I want to give you that opportunity. Anybody at all, if you grown up in church or you've been far from God or, or, or it's your first time anyone at all no they give you that opportunity no one at all okay amen alright well God we thank you we thank you for your grace we thank you for this opportunity that we have to just love you we love you God we ask you to have your way and Lord that you would continue to allow us to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you are not dead, that you are alive. You have come that we may have life, and that life abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. We give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. For those of, those of you who are visiting us, we have something back there for you, a gift that we'd like to give you. We, we love people visiting and want to make you family if you live here in town. But 
back in the back we have something for you if you want to know more about a personal walk with Christ back there is more information on that as well um, and a- after we're going to close in a song we are going to take out we're going to take out some of the round uh, the squirt uh, rectangular tables I'll get the shape right we're going to put them in, over on the side we're going to put up about four or five round tables over here and put chairs around them okay if you could help us with that we would appreciate it well let's all stand Our prayer team will be up here at the end if you need prayer. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Went a little bit longer than normal. Sorry about that. But let's end it with a shout and a praise to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ.